no fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Well, welcome aboard, everybody, to Talking Bass in PDX. Thank you for joining me on Talking Bass in PDX. This is the Bass and Warm Water Forum where we talk fishing in the Northwest, and specifically we talk about warm water fish and bass fishing. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. It has been a very busy September, and I've been out on the water several times this past month looking for crappie, looking for bass. I even got in a walleye trip this past uh two or three weeks, and we were successful in all of those. In addition to fishing, I was part of a very special event that happens every year in September called Cast for Kids. This year, it was at Hag Lake, as it has been for the past 23-plus years. And if you have never gotten to have this much fun and then see the smiles on the kids' faces, it is something that you ought to check into. They have a website that you can look up, Cast for Kids, and it will tell you all the different events that uh, happen around the area. I believe they put out about 98 events a year across the United States, several of them in Oregon. The group actually started in Seattle some years ago. But I'd like to send out a special thanks to the people that made it happen. You know, we had we had folks that towed their boats as far away as Eugene and Springfield and as far east, Gresham. There was a lot of activity out there. The kids all had fun, and they caught uh, fish, a little bit of bass, some crappie, some bluegill. There was just a great time had by all. So if you... Uh, are interested, check out their website. I'll have it in the notes so that you can check out the website. Maybe next year, volunteer. Be a shore volunteer or bring your boat out and be a boat captain. It's great fun. Well, first up, I have Greg Marshall with OKBF, Oregon Kayak Bass Fishing, with his update. And then I meet up with Will Harris. Now, Will was, Will was on back in February. But since then, Will has added kayak tournament fishing to his angling resume and been quite successful actually this year uh brought home a couple of checks uh, got to fish down on the delta and we'll hear all about that during his interview well if you're outfitting a new boat or you just want to organize your boat as we get ready for fall fishing and especially if you're out there walleye fishing uh, you really need to have your boat well organized if you want the best organizational equipment for your boat, check out fishfighterproducts.com. Uh, they have some great products that will help organize your boat. As a matter of fact, I have the backpack where you can put your on your seat and put your life preservers in it. However, I carry a uh, throw cushion in mine, and it works out great. And we actually used the throw cushion this weekend not to throw in the water. We used it as a pillow for the for the person that I had on my boat because it was a, kind of a helpful thing to prop her up. So that was what we were using it for. But check out Fish Fighter Products. In fact, let's hear a little more from Fish Fighter Products. Fish Fighter Products, building the ultimate fishing accessories for the hardcore fishermen. Built in the Northwest, built to last, and help you chase the fish and not your gear. Whether you need a precision anchoring system, 
tackle trays, or a complete sliding rail system for your boat, Fish Fighter has the solution for you. To see the products the pros use, go to fishfighterproducts.com. Made in America, and damn proud of it. Okay, let's get right back at it, and let's hear from Greg Marshall with the OKBF, Oregon Kayak Bass Fishing Report. A lot to catch up on here from Takenich Lake, Crane Prairie, Davis Lake, and then we're going to wrap things up with the West Coast Championship. So welcome to the podcast. Don, thanks again for having me back. As always, it's a pleasure. And, yeah, it's been a busy last couple months, and uh, because of that, we haven't been able to catch up. So uh, we'll go ahead and get started. We'll give you some uh, kayak fishing updates from here in the Northwest and Oregon kayak bass fishing. And like you said, we'll first talk about Takenich. Uh, Takenich took place back in July. Um, we had 28 anglers competing in that event, and 76 fish were submitted. Uh, it started out kind of calm, but a couple hours before lines out, the wind started blowing, which made fishing very difficult. Uh, we pushed anglers back as they tried to get back to the launch. It was a, it was a scramble to get back to the launch. But at Takenich, at the end of the day, Cody Allison came out on top, uh, way on top, as a matter of fact, with his second tour victory of the season. Cody now has qualified twice for the Kayak Bass Classic, which is the KFNW Championship, which will have to take place in October uh, on the Willamette River. Gage Lovell took second place there. Uh, he was one notch lower uh, than a previous visit that he had uh, at Takenich back in 2019. And, of course, the name we're all familiar with, uh, Brandon Waugh nabbed third place with another solid performance after his nearby second place recently at uh, 10 Mile. So for Takenich, we had, again, Cody Allison on top. He came in with a bag of 82.25 inches. That took home $1,146, followed by Gage Lovell. Uh, he was at 77.5 inches, and he took home seven, or excuse me, $573. And Brandon Waugh, 77 inches and uh, his check was 191. Uh, the next adventure big bass winner uh, was, again, it was Cody, uh, and Cody uh, has a big large mouth at 19.5 inches, which gave him an extra 356 inches. Or, excuse me, $356. Uh, so that was, uh, 10 Mile was interesting uh, this year. Excuse me, talking it, I'm sorry. Um, it was a very interesting, uh, very small, ramp that we all had to use and uh, it was quite crowded but uh, it took a while and we all got in there and had a great time um, then we had in august uh crane prairie so in crane prairie um wow what a tough day that was i didn't fish that myself personally because i was preparing for the west coast championship uh plus uh i, I had some family challenges with uh, a new granddaughter being born but anyway, so Crane Prairie in August, uh, tough day. Uh, anglers caught tons of fish, but they were all in the 6 to 8-inch range, and we have a 12-inch minimum. Uh, bigger fish were hard to come by, but a few did manage to find some tanks. Uh, we had uh, Michael Jarvis. He was the only one with a five-fish bag, and he won the day, and he even had a 16.5, 7.5-inch kicker, and I'll talk about that in just a second. In second place, we had Brandon Waugh. Again, another familiar name, you know, big stick Brandon. Uh, he, had a, he had a four fish and a 16-inch kicker to take second. And then Colin Sutton took third with two fish and a 16.75-inch kicker as well. So I mentioned I, these 6.75-inch uh, kickers. 
uh, that ended up being the big fish with 16.75. We had three anglers that uh, all had 16.75, but because of when it was caught, uh, the first one to catch it based on the time they took their picture, uh, the big fish actually went to Matt Burnick. So, uh, again, at Crane Prairie in August, Michael Jarvis took first place with a bag of 80.75 inches, the only one to get a, a, a full bag. He took home $1,109. Brandon Wall, yeah, second place with 54.25 inches. He took home $555. Colin Sutton in third at 32.75 inches and $185. And, again, uh, uh, Matt Burdick uh, took the big bass 16.75 inches. Because he caught it first, it was $365.50. Now, at Crane Prairie, we made a two-day event out of this, but the second day was a fly fishing event. So you could fish from your kayak, but you could only use a fly rod. This was the second annual Fly and Kayak Open, uh, kayak open. Uh, quite successful. They had 16 anglers on the water. 63 fish uh, were submitted there. Uh, at the end of the day, Evan Mers came out on top with his first OKBF event uh, with two 16-and-a-half-inch kickers that won him a big bass uh, as a side, uh, buy-in side pot. And we had another newcomer, Jamie Savage, took second, and Steve Ball, Steve Ball took third. I know Evan took – okay, yeah, Evan, again, at first place at 49.25 inches on this fly open. Yeah, that paid out $1,011. Jamie Savage, second place with 46 inches. At $506, Steve Ball third at 43.75, and that paid out 169. And again, big bass on that was also Evan Murs with a 16 and a half inch kicker. So in addition, it was $1,000. You got another $161.50. So that's kind of the OKBF update. Uh, you also mentioned the West Coast Championship, and we're talking here on the 21st of August, and I just got home from that yesterday. That took place this past weekend. The West Coast Championship is uh, it's a kayak it's a bass fishing champion pitting the best of the West against each other for two days, and this year it took place in the California Delta. Uh, basically, the winner of this elite event gets bragging rights for the entire Western region of the United States. And again, it took place down in the Delta. Um, to qualify, you had to qualify at one of your local events. Uh, either that was uh, a top 25% finish, or in the case of KFNW, if you participated in all three of your state's uh, qualifying events, you would get a berth to the West Coast Championship as well. Um, so the Delta, we had, I think, if I remember right, 29 different launches so in the Sacramento River and in the San Joaquin and throughout the whole Delta system. Uh, that would include you know, Tiki Lagoon, La Russo's, uh, big break, um, hogback, all of those uh, were available. And if anybody's watched any of the online uh, fishermen down in the Delta that have all the YouTube channels, I know Russo's and Big Break and uh, Tiki are quite popular, and that's where a lot of the people were launching from. Um, but the way it went down is it was a two-day tournament. There were 87 anglers uh, that ended up participating from all over the West. We had Arizona, Montana, California, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho, and I think there was somebody from Nevada as well. So a lot of people traveled down to this event. Um, payouts were pretty good. They paid from first to eighth place. 
Uh, and I'll just kind of go over those numbers real quick. In eighth, you paid out $398. At um, seventh, it was $557. Sixth was $636. Uh, up to $716. $875. Third place was $2,227. Second place, $4,296. And first place was $6,205. Um, as you know, a lot of people expect a lot of the California guys took those top spots. Uh, however, there was uh, a Montana person that took fourth place, so he got the $875. Uh, Oregon, Washington, we all had a pretty good showing uh, against those guys that fished down there. Uh, I know myself, I took 11th place. Uh, so I was just outside the money. I was only an inch and a half out. But it was a two-day tournament, a lot of pre-fishing going on, uh, and uh, it was just an awesome tournament. Well, that sounds like fun. Now, you were talking about uh, the the number of places that they were allowing to launch. Does that mean that everybody was uh, changing places each day, or could you pick your place that you wanted to go? Uh, everybody chose each individual place. So uh, I I chose the location, and you know, some of my roommates like Brandon Waugh and Matt Walker and Colin Sutton, you've heard those names here today. Um, you know, we all shared an Airbnb down there, but we all launched from different locations. Uh, and during the event, you could launch at one location in the morning, and if you weren't producing, you could actually pull it out and go to another location as long as you were total out, totally out of the water and off the water by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So we had our launch time at 5.30 a.m., lines in at 6, uh, off the water at 2 with your uh, submissions done by 2.30 for both Friday and Saturday. Yeah, you could launch as many times in as many locations you wanted. Uh, you were just going to waste a lot of time, you know, loading and unloading your boat to get to those locations. So I think most people just launched at one location and stayed there, and I think most people also launched the same location both Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, that would, Friday and Saturday. yeah that would make more sense if you uh, you found a spot that you that you liked or thought you had good good potential just to stay there and and work the spot. Now, uh, you were telling me a little earlier before we got started here that uh, really the area you were fishing in wasn't, um, size-wise, wasn't all that big. Well, me personally, no. Uh, as you know, the Delta is huge. I mean, I don't know. It's probably got to be in the thousands of miles in, in terms of uh, a shoreline, uh, to, you know, the area. Because it went from Sacramento to Stockton all the way out to uh, Vallejo. So that entire Delta was up for grabs. Uh, one thing I failed to mention when we talk about the launches is, you know, because it's such a popular area, there's a lot of bass boats in addition to the kayaks. And then Saturday specifically, in addition to our event, there were 11 separate bass boat events going on as well. Uh, so there was a lot of traffic, in, especially in those more popular launches. Now, as far as, you know, what you were talking about, my location, yeah, I found a place that uh, I looked at in my research, and I could launch. I had a big open lunch, and I could get to the, both the San Joaquin and the Sacramento River in about 10 minutes from my kayak, and it also had a little offshoot that was pretty small, actually. Uh, I mean, it might have been 50 yards wide and 400 yards long, and uh, I took all of my fish out of that little spot. Um, I think I took one fish out of the river as a call, but all of my keepers for both days was, were within, probably within 60 yards of each other. Wow, that's, uh, that's a, a, a nice area to work in. 
you know, just a, a little uh, thing to throw out there. The Delta is uh, about 1,100 square miles, so there is plenty of room there for for fishing. Uh, most of it is uh, is around agriculture, but it is a it is a large body of water. That is for sure. It is, and there's a lot of traffic there. Even with you know, you got boaters, you got fishermen, you got uh, jet skis. I know at one point Saturday, I had separate schools. I don't know if they were renting the jet skis or not, but these guys were racing their jet skis in clumps of about seven or eight um, past me, uh, you know, doing 60, 70 miles an hour. And they were just racing is what they were doing. Um, but it, it can also be, uh, as we all know how here in the, in the Columbia, the Delta can get quite windy. Um, there was a lot of chop on that water. Plus, you're also dealing with tidal water. Uh, throughout the Delta. So, you know, for us Oregon guys, we don't deal with that a lot. I mean, down in down in the lower Columbia, we can get to the brackish water, uh, but a lot of people don't fish down there. Um, you know, and up above, we get the wind, but it's not tidal. And so each day, for both days of this tournament, we usually were on the outgoing tide. And so that's a whole unique thing, especially it was for me anyway, you know, trying to figure out you know, where the fish are at this point, that three hours from now, there's not even going to be any water there. Um, so where are they going to move to? And so I think most of the Oregon people were there. Um, actually, a lot of them went straight from the Crane Prairie Davis Lake event straight down to California uh, so that we could pre-fish. And I, we, most of us pre-fished, you know, three, four, five days prior to the event um, just to kind of figure out, you know, what was going on and where some fish might be holding. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you bring up. You know, when you're when you're being tidal affected like that, uh, you know, we really don't have, except for the Columbia River, uh, and you've got to be fishing down below the uh, the dams before you'll even get that effect uh, in. So if you're above one of the dams here in Oregon, you may or may not get any any uh, effect by tidal. Um, so that that really changes your strategy because, like you said. That water's moving, and those fish are going to change direction, and they're going to they're going to be pointed different directions depending on the tide, and they may even move a little bit. So that that had to add an element of uh, of fun in there that you weren't uh, weren't ready for. Well, I think for me, it actually helped my game. Uh, I did really well. Like I said, I took eleventh, but because I was able to stay in that one area, I was able to figure out what was happening with that tide and more specifically where the structures were. Um, so I was able to see, okay, I know there's not only dealing with the, the tulies and the weeds and, and all that, the, the reeds, um, but you could also see where the various structures were. And, uh, and what I figured out was, okay, the fish hold here at this time, and when the tide goes out, then they moved over to here, but at least I could go back and find where that was. Uh, I found markers that, you know, little pieces of, of tree stumps or branches or something sticking out of the water at high tide, but it was the whole dang tree sticking out at low tide. And I was able to figure out, oh, that's where they are. And then so I would go back during the high tide, and, and both days, there they were. Like I said, that's why I was able to catch all of my fish at the same spot, and it reloaded itself the next day. So um, my big fish was caught the exact same place uh, where I caught two fish the day before. And I caught four fish between both days, four of my ten we're actually on the same tree uh, tree branch on um, two different days. So it was quite productive being able to figure that tide out and how it plays out. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a, a fun event. What kind of tackle were most people using? Was there one thing working better 
than others? Well, if you do any research online, you look at the guys that have been fishing the Delta this year, you know, last winter was a unique year for California. Uh, you know, they had a lot of rain. They had a lot of stuff going on weather-wise throughout the course of the winter and spring. So the Delta, if you listen to them, just doesn't fish this year the way it traditionally does. And the, and the Delta is very well known for it being a largemouth fishery. So a lot of, uh, just a lot of statement everything, it just doesn't fish that way this year. So all of the typical stuff that guys used in the past, what they would be using by, you know, May or June is just now starting to come on. So what we saw and what, what I heard was, you know, people were using punch rigs. Uh, they had a, a frog tournament there a couple of weeks ago that didn't produce a lot of fish. I didn't hear a lot of people using frogs. Uh, I heard a lot of chatterbaits. Um, I used Senkos. I used a Senko, a chatterbait, and a whopper flopper. Uh, those are the only three rods, or only three lures. <laughs> I had nine rods, but those are the only three lures that I threw both days because they were being productive for me. Uh, and I know uh, some people were, like I said, using, uh, were trying to punch through the weeds. Uh, a lot of guys were using poppers or um, uh, jerk bait. I mean, so there was a, a, a kind of a plethora, but it's even the guys that won, the big numbers, they all said that they were dead sticking Senkos. Oh, that's interesting. Just. Uh... Just the cinco and then uh, and then the dead stick, just letting it sit and and moving it slightly. That's a, that's interesting. Um, that's exactly how I thought my fish as well. Yeah, that um, you know usually when you got current, the fish are looking for something to go by. You know that's that's kind of interesting. So you know depending on when you were when you were sitting there and if you were getting some decent slack tides. Then uh, yeah, I could see that happening where the where the fish might have been out looking around for something. So that would have yeah. been. Uh, I hear a lot of guys, you know, throwing and punching into the into the big stuff and you know yanking them out. There might have been a few, but not very many at all. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you and I were talking right before we before we got on, and uh, uh, I was I fished down there when I was young, probably ten years old, and I and I remember guys punching into the weeds. Um, and maybe there were a lot more fish back then, but they, uh, uh, you either got something or you didn't, it, it was not an in-between. So, um, I'm sure that a lot of the, a lot of the fish this year, especially with the rain that they've had, you know, may not be, uh, you know, they may be looking for, uh, maybe looking for forage in, in other places. So that was, uh, that's, a, that's a interesting. Any particular color that was better? Uh, I was using watermelon with red flake. Okay, yeah. And uh, no mishaps? Oh, go ahead. I had read before that, you know, anything red worked down there, so uh, I tried a lot. My my chatterbait had red in it. Uh, My Whopper Plopper did not have any red, but, um, but yeah, my my Senko was just uh, a regular Senko watermelon with a red flake, and and, uh, it 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 was money for me. Almost anyway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you were. Geez, you were close to to getting into the money. That uh, and this is your first year, right? Uh, it's my first, first year of the West Coast Championship. My first time ever doing uh, the Delta, and I was an inch and a half out of uh, the money. Well, it gave you gave you some experience. I'm sure you'll want to go back for next year's West Coast Championship. But of course, they're going to move it to someplace else, right? Yeah, next year it'll be going. It's going back to Clear Lake. Uh, Clear Lake is is such a good fishery. Geez, it's uh, it's one of my favorite places to go. It, uh, 
there's a hundred miles of shoreline there at that lake and just a tremendous amount of uh of fish in that lake so uh, yeah they hold held the west coast championship at least that i know of for the last two years at clear lake they wanted to move it this year to the delta but they're going back to to clear lake and yeah i'm hoping that you know next season i'll qualify again and can go down and um and do as well as i did this time or maybe even better it was a confidence booster to say the least i went there with my goals and met every single one of my goals including uh, a bycatch of a striper which was kind of fun oh there you go yeah they, they do have some good striped bass down there uh in the delta uh, now you know we were talking a little bit about davis lake but we kind of kind of skipped over it a little bit you know that was a um a fly fishing event, and and how did that one go? Uh, again, uh, they had more anglers this year than they had previously. It's it's a growing event. Last year was the first year for it. Uh, I'm not a fly guy, so I've never used, uh, I've never done it. I didn't own a fly rod, but from what I understand, uh, and if you go back, listen to what we were talking, the uh, bags uh, were be- were bigger. I mean, they didn't have the big 80 inch bag, but Consistently, there was a 49 and 46 and 43 versus the diversity of the Crane Prairie, which was 80, 54, and 32. Uh, so everybody felt good about it. Everybody had fun. There were a lot of people that caught limits. Um, they just were, like I said, um, a little bit smaller, but at least they were catching limits, unlike like, Crane, where they didn't do that. Well, that that is great, and I appreciate you catching us up on on uh, the, the tour but you guys still have a couple of events left for the year now. Looks like uh, Lake Umatilla is the next um, event that you guys have got coming up. Tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, so the next event is going to be a combination of WKBF and OKBF, so Washington and Oregon. But in addition, there's an overlay of the Native Tournament, uh, which is an open that uh, Native Kayaks is sponsoring. So you can get uh, really three tournaments in one. Oregon, OKBF, and, K- and WKF will be one event. And um, so you have a lot of the, the anglers from both states. But with you buy into also the, uh, the Native. And the Native is a national tour, and they've had um, events throughout the year, starting way back in March at Lake Berryessa. Uh, I think I might have mentioned that uh, previously this year, but you know, in that event at Lake Berryessa, they had 185 kayaks by, in that event alone. The, uh, the video of the launch of that is phenomenal, seeing 185 boats leave at the same time with their lights on. But the Native wow. event uh, will pay out. They have what's called the Power Hour, and they're going to pay out $1,000 to the big fish of every hour uh, throughout the course of the event. And then there's going to be big money at the end of the day. There are going to be kayak giveaways. Now, this is all on top of the money that is available through the KFNW, the OKBF, WKBF joint venture. Um, you know, I expect, you know, we've seen numbers in the thousands just at OKBF of $1,000, and I'm going to expect to see that number at least double for first place um, just on the KFNW side of that, of that event. So somebody can make some serious money uh, or make some serious money with some really good fish and it's going to be, it's called, we're we'll calling it Lake Umatilla. It's going to be, I think, from McNary down to, so all the open, all the ramps, public ramps between McNary and John Day. So that's going to include Arlington, John Day, 
Boardman, Aragon, Umatilla, all of that water is going to be open uh, open for fishing. And so I expect to hear a lot of a lot of participants, probably more than 100 kayakers, and a lot of money is going to be won there. It's, I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to I'm doing my homework now and trying to prepare for where I want to go and what I want to do and how I want to do it. Um, you know, the Columbia is my home water, and so uh, I'm hoping to do well there myself. Yeah, I mean your uh, your kayak actually was won during that tournament, wasn't it? No, my kayak that I won was a combination. You had to. Uh, this was back in 2021. You had to uh, participate in so many events with OKBF, and your name went into a, a hat. And so, OKBF, WKBF, and IKBF all had this criteria, and one winner was picked from each club. The three names were put into a hat, and we were all chosen. And uh, mine just happened to come out first, so I got my choice of the three kayaks from Old Town that were available at the time. Oh, okay. Well, I hope that there's a uh, a large group that uh, that goes up there. Uh, that's a tremendous amount of water from the McNary Dam down to the John Day. That is uh, uh, probably over a hundred miles of. Uh, of water to choose. Yeah, I, I expect to see some pretty big bags come out of that. It would not surprise me, you know, to see, you know, uh, a ninety-plus inch bag there. Uh, no, I would. Yeah, I would agree. You're going to see. You're going to see some decent fish come out of there. Well, I'd like to thank you for the update. Um, this has been some great information. So we'll have that event coming up, and then they they wrap things up at the end of the year with a, a trip to the Willamette, don't they? Yeah, so that would be the kind of the classic. So uh, winners from all of the events at each of the three clubs are able to participate in that. You have to have had, I think, a, a top three finish uh, in those and in some of the open, or not the opens, but the online. Um, I've never actually been qualified, so I don't know the rules off the top of my head, and uh, but I know that you have to have won those events. It's a, a pretty elite group of people that are going to be fishing that, and, yeah, they're going to be fishing the Willamette. Uh, I think it's Boone's Ferry that they're going to be fishing out of this year. Well, that'll be great. Well, I look forward to hearing from you next month, and we'll be talking about uh, the event up the gorge. As always, Don, I certainly appreciate you allowing me uh, to talk to you all on the podcast. Uh, we certainly appreciate the Talking Bass and PDX uh, uh um, audience. Um, I know I've heard from people that have heard about us um, through the podcast, and we certainly do appreciate the opportunity to talk about kayak fishing. It is a growing sport, and we're getting more and more people all the time. And as you can tell, you know, people are winning some good money compared to even some of the local Bassmaster gr- uh, groups that are out there. Um, and we have fun. It's, it's, again, all about the camaraderie and, and you know, to have nine guys get together that really don't know each other other than when their competitors go down and share an Airbnb for a week and have an absolute blast, that's the kind of camaraderie that we, that we uh, try to put forth in these groups. But thanks Absolutely. again. Absolutely. All right, thank you. Well, I'd like to thank Greg for coming on and giving us these uh, monthly reports. It's really nice to hear what the other anglers are doing in the area and the successes that they have. It is an unbelievable amount of work to go out and run a kayak and fish the way that they do. 
but I thank Greg for doing that. On my boat, I use Lunkertech rods, and they are built right here in the Pacific Northwest. Let's hear more about Lunkertech rods. If you would like a Lunkertech rod, or if you would like some rod repair, let's hear a little bit more from Lunkertech. Lunkertech offers custom fishing rods shipped anywhere within the U.S. and local rod repair from Southwest Washington to the Willamette Valley of Oregon. Lunkertech's goal is to work with you to build a rod fit to meet your unique needs. They also offer pre-built rod options that have the same quality components as their custom rods. Built on a foundation of providing education, Lunkertech strives to help you learn, grow, and share your knowledge to help build the next generation of fishermen. Visit Lunkertech.com to join their email list and get updates about pre-build rod releases, coupons, and educational content. Also learn more about the education they provide through their virtual angler learning center. Visit Lunkertech.com. And let's get right back to the show. And we can get to Will's interview uninterrupted. And here is Will. Well, back in February, I had Will Harris on the podcast. We talked about high school fishing, and then all of a sudden I started watching him on social media, and boy, has he had a season this year. So I'd like to welcome back to the podcast, Will Harris. Will, welcome. Thank you for having me back. It's good to come back. Well, you know, I don't typically bring folks back right away. You know, usually I wait till. uh you know, a year or so away. But what I noticed in the first thing right after the bat I want to talk about was that you've sort of switched. I know you're still doing some boat fishing, but switched over to a kayak. Tell me a little bit about that. I did start fishing a few more of those tournaments. Um, I started, well, I did, I fished one last year at Door Shack, and then um, I fished one at Silver Lake. I saw that there was a West Coast Championship tournament on the California Delta for uh, mid-August, and I saw I had to fish three specific tournaments to qualify for that tournament, and I wanted to do it, so I decided to fish those three. That was Silver Lake, um, Door Shack, and Tackenage. Well, very nice, and you did qualify to go down to the West Coast Championship, right? I did. Well, very nice. Now, the the one thing that I've always liked to talk to bass anglers about is certainly I have a boat. I, I know how to fish front back of my boat. But when you switch from a power boat to a kayak, what changes? What kind of changes do you have to make both physically and mentally to fish from a kayak? Um, well, you got to really commit to the area that you're going. Um, that's been different, you know, and with a lot of these lakes, with the bigger lakes and they have more boat ramps, you can fish from different, you can launch from different ramps. So it, I do a lot more map studying than I did before, um, just on different areas. So then when I do commit to an area, I know what is out there and I know some spots that I can go to during the day, even if I didn't pre-fish them. So you're physically, or you're sitting on your computer, and is there a particular map program that you use, or what are you looking at? I just use uh, the map that I have on my phone. 
just the uh, iPhone map app. Okay, so you, now are you able to see, like, the contour of the lake, or you're just able to, like, get a picture of it and say, well, this looks this looks like where I want to go? I do that. I switch between satellite and explore to see, you know, the color of different things and how, and what the, you know, the shape of the bank and everything like that. And then I also have a, a Garmin graph on my kayak that I got hooked up at Door Shack, and, um, and then I look at one of the maps on there for the contour and everything like that. Yeah, that's that's interesting, you know, because I, you know, in a powerboat, you just go out and you look around and you can go fishing and figure some places out. But in a kayak, you are somewhat limited to how far you can go. Yes. Um, I don't have a trolling motor either, and most of these guys have a trolling motor. Um, I'm not sure if I'll upgrade or not. Those things are expensive, but... Ooh. Either way, you're still pretty limited to a, a smaller area. Well, as you know, uh, if you listen to the to the program, I have uh, updates uh, oh every month or so from uh, Greg Marshall uh, of Oregon Kayak Bass Fishing, and we were doing a comparison earlier. Uh, I think it was in the July episode, and actually, the anglers that have pedals or paddles have beat the guys with uh, uh, motors about the same number of times. So it, uh, I, I don't know that, it, that there's a big advantage either way. Now, if you were, um, I think maybe if you're older, not you, but I'm talking about anybody who's bass angling, um, maybe the motor might help. Take a guy that's, uh, you know, maybe in their 60s and they just can't physically pedal that far, maybe a motor would help. But if you're fit and able to go out and and uh, you know how far you can uh, pedal or paddle uh, and back, then you know I, I don't know that there's a, a huge advantage to that. What about from a gear standpoint? Did you have to change up the way you're casting or the type of bait you're throwing? Type of bait? Um, I've noticed for me it's pretty hard to uh, throw certain reaction baits because um, you're turning the rudder all the time, especially in current. You know, so throwing a crankbait is kind of hard, um, or a chatterbait or spinnerbait is kind of tough, just because um, you always got to keep taking your hand off of it and turn the rudder. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, you, because you're always you've got to have a hand down there on the rudder, right? Yeah. So you adjust it, you know, reel, pick up your line, adjust it. So that's that's been a difference. Have you tried uh, topwater baits, um, uh, whopper ploppers, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, walking baits are a challenge. Um, usually I stand up when I'm fishing a walking bait, but that's also tough if I'm in current because then you'll just – get sent down the river. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, so you kind of have to be in control of that kayak all the time. Otherwise, you'll you'll uh, either get pushed out or, or you could even get out in the current and, and just head down, down river. <laughs> Slide right off your spot. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's kind of interesting. Now, the kayak that you're using, is it something that you picked up this year or did you already have that kayak? I think that I we got them 
um, maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago. So I've been fishing out of them for a little, maybe two years ago, um, fishing out of them for a, li- a little bit. Um, bit, very big learning curve. Um, I remember the first time I went out, I did not, I did not know what I was doing. I got so mad because I couldn't keep it straight. I couldn't fish my baits. I didn't catch any fish, but you you get used to it quick if you fish out of it a lot. Yeah, I think it's like, uh, you know, make it a comparison. Uh, when I switched boats from one size to the next, the first couple times out, I was like, boy, did I make a mistake buying this bigger boat. And then once I got used to it, it's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm good. But now I did go fishing in a kayak um, a couple of years ago, and I found it really exciting. It was a pedal boat, and uh, we went up on Horseshoe Lake uh, over in Washington, and boy, did I find that I could squeeze that thing into the weeds and up against some uh, some uh, some trees that had fallen down, and I was like, man, I cannot do this in a motorboat. And so for me, it was, uh, it was a great advantage. Now, of course, distance was a problem, but I found from a standpoint of where I could go to uh, to be a big advantage, and and, um, and of course everybody knows that I got I got hurt and I haven't been able to do a lot lately, but it's getting better. I'm getting to where I can uh, can get back to fishing again. Um, now, did you use the same rods, reels, that type of stuff? Did you have to make any changes there? I use all the same rods. Just cut back on a few of them. I usually take six or seven. But uh, same rods. Mm-hmm. Now, I noticed, let's see, which one was first? I've got you, let's see, the third place uh, at uh, Silver Lake. That was July 8th. And tell me a little yeah. bit about that tournament, how that one went, because I have also fished Silver Lake, and and that is a great fishery up there. And, yeah, I I don't mind fishing it. It's just... I'm not going out looking for very many bites. It's tough for me. Man, in pre-fish, I got one bite. I lost it. It was about a three, two and a half, three-ish pounder. And that was towards the end of the day. So I was just happy to even get bit. Non-stop carp all day. I didn't catch any, but just there were so many carp when I went. Just ran all over the lake. Finally found a fish. And then went there during tournament. And first cast in the morning caught a twenty and a half inch long fish, which was like it's like a five pounder. Wow. And uh so that just got the morning started off right. I was happy about that. And then uh another fifteen incher, I believe, and another fifteen incher. And that was my bag. I only caught three fish that day. Yeah, so that uh that fishery up there now I have seen uh tournaments up there, been up to them. And uh, I've seen five or five fish bags come out of there. They're there, uh, but because that lake's not very deep, you really have to kind of go hunting around. The fish are—they're uh, going to hide out. But I have—I've uh, been in the boat when a guy caught a five-pounder. Uh, I was watching him, and uh, they're there, but they're—they're they're a little tough to find. But I enjoy that particular lake. I like—I like fishing there, um, and. Yeah, exactly. It is a nice place. Now, you mentioned carp. There are a lot of grass carp in that lake. They, uh, 
they've been up there a long time, and uh, I think if they weren't there, that lake would be just grown over with with plants. So that's uh, that's why I think they're there. But they're they don't seem to bother you because they're not gonna they're not gonna hit a bass lure. I mean, for the most part. And right. then, boy, the end of the month. So you were busy in July. Uh, oh, yeah. You got a you got a first place up at uh, Dorshack. Takenich was before Dorshack. Tell me about Takenich then. Takenich, I might be saying it wrong. Takenich, um, it's one of my favorite places I've ever fished. It's my first time down there, and I I really like those coastal lakes. I really like the just the scenery and the water and everything about it. I just, I liked it. Um, it was a tough bite. Pre-fish was tough. I caught, I think, two fish um, of any size. And that was the longest run I've ever made on a kayak, too. It was about two and a half miles. And I was spent after that. Um, but during tournament day, I got a couple of small fish early. And then tried to explore some new water and got a couple of big bites that I just couldn't get in the kayak. Uh, ended up with four fish for ninth place. Yeah, I, I had talked to several people that had fished uh, Takadich, uh, and it was ironic. I was over at uh, Silkus Lake that same day. We were actually getting in there about 1 o'clock, so... I wanted to run over and see how you guys were doing, but I had my own stuff that I had to take care of, so I was unable to do that. But uh, I heard that that was, uh, you know, that it was challenging, but uh, people did catch some fish, and that lake is known for that. And it's uh, it's a great kayak spot because it's pretty tight parking. Otherwise, you know, if you get a bunch of boats there, it'd be it'd be almost impossible. But uh, I'm glad you had a a good time there. Now, talk a little bit about Dorshack. Dorshack is probably my favorite place to fish. Um, giant smallmouth. I didn't catch any really big ones. Uh, pre-fished the day before for a few hours. The cutoff was at 11. So um, got out early for four or five hours and found some good fish in the spot that I fished last year. And I, I just wanted to see if I could pick up a decent bag there. I knew that there wasn't a ton of giant fish on that spot, but I knew that I could catch um, twos and threes. And I knew that that would have me sitting decent if I could have a bag of those. Started off the morning, caught a 16 and a half, I believe, and then a 15 and a half. Jumped around to a few spots, another 16 and a half, and finished off my limit with, I think, a 14 or a 15. So just a decent bag. I think somewhere about 10, 11 pounds for boat guys. Didn't get bit after 7.45. I lost one fish that was the biggest smallmouth I've ever seen, but I didn't catch any fish after 7.45. That's how my day went. Wow, so you had your five fish all wrapped up by 7.45. I did. Wow. Now, when the sun hit the water for me. Okay, now what were you throwing? What was your uh, go-to? I was dragging a tube, and I was throwing a weightless Senko. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Boy, sometimes the fish will just go after a Cinco for anything. That is really interesting. I, uh, I've had days like that. Uh, when we were at the coast, uh, back at Silcoose, like you were saying, in July, uh, I had the same, same issue. I was uh, throwing everything I could find in the box, and finally the Cinco was taking care of me. So that was, that was really neat. Now, because you won that tournament, I noticed that you will be now qualified to fish the Kayak Bass Classic coming up in October in the Upper Willamette. Yes, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, we'll get to that one in a minute, but you did qualify to go down to the Delta down in uh, in California, correct? I did. Tell me about that, because I've heard some stories about it. It sounded like a tough, uh, tough outing. It? I always love going to the Delta. I've been there a couple times for the Wild West programs. For smallmouth, Dorshack's my favorite, but for largemouth, the Delta is by far my favorite. Just so much to it, so many different types of areas, and you can fish so many different ways. I love it. There's things you can do down there that you just can never get to do up here. I never get to punch, so I love going down there and punching. Um, yeah, we, we don't have that kind of water up here. No, hard to find it. Um, I pre-fished for two days, same spot both days. Um, caught a few nice fish. I was I was having a hard time catching just my solids, you know, my twos and threes. I, I could catch a lot of 11, 12 inches, and then like a four or five here and there. So I was just hoping that I could find a bag of those big ones uh, on tournament day. And I fished all around uh, the first day, caught... A few decent ones, some 16 and a half, I believe, and maybe a 15 and a half. Um, just a really average little limit on the first day for 72 inches. Um, lost three or four key fish that day that would have had me sitting pretty good. So that was a tough day. Uh, and then the second day, I used the first day identifier code in my first two pictures, which lost me a 16 and a quarter and a 15 and a quarter. So that was oh, yeah. a stupid rookie mistake. Well, now, I, just, just for the benefit of listeners who are not kayak tournament folks, tell us what the identifiers are. Uh, it's a four-digit, well, a four-letter or number code that they release the night before, so you can't so it makes it harder to cheat and submit pictures from uh, previous days, things like that. Yeah, so in order to um, to show the fish that you are um, that you're catching, uh, you've got the identifier and you're taking pictures of the fish as you catch them, and you're releasing them right there, right? So basically, you've got a picture on a measuring uh, board and that identifier, and you're submitting that to uh, to a website, correct? Yep, Tourney X. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, that is one of my favorite things about kayak fishing is that the everything is catch, photograph, and release, and uh, CPR, if you will. Because now, if you've got a big female, and you know if you get one, great. Uh, but you can let her go, 
uh, right back to the spot that she was in. You don't haul her around all in the boat all day long and then, uh, you know, and then have to take it out and release it. You put them right back where you've got them. So I think that is a great thing about kayak fishing, in my opinion, um, because then you're able to, uh, to let that fish go. But that was, uh, now you know, right? I probably, you'll probably never let that happen again to make sure that you have the right, uh, identifier for the, the day you're fishing. Man, big mistake. It was my first two-day kayak tournament, and I just I completely spaced it. Now, how was it uh, physically on you being on a two-day tournament? Because it's uh, you know that's one day is tough. And not too bad, just because I fished the pro-ams before, which were two days as well. Okay, so so you've kind of got the tolerance built up to where you're able to the stamina to go out and and do that type of thing. Yeah, but it it wasn't easy, especially in that heat. The first day was 105. The uh, second day was 95, which felt like winter. But uh definitely had to stay hydrated, especially that first day. Drank like four or five waters, but I I couldn't have done it if I wasn't drinking water. And so, so like on the kayak, is, is there a place to keep some ice and water and and things that you can, uh, you know, kind of keep them cold enough to, so that you can drink them. There's a thing called a Yak Attack Black Pack that's got rod storage, uh, you know, rod holders, six rod holders, uh, and I keep all my tackle and waters and snacks in there and stuff. It keeps them pretty cold. If you have them cold the night before, I put them in there and they still stay fairly cold most of the day. Okay. Yeah. I, that's. Uh... Yeah, keeping hydrated is, is so important. I was uh, actually out fishing on the Multnomah Channel this past weekend. And for folks that were here in Oregon in uh, late August, it was 95 degrees by noon, and uh, it was miserably hot. And uh, uh, by the time we got in at uh, 3 o'clock, I was even more miserable. Uh, but we did well. We caught uh, quite a few walleye, and it was a, it was a really good weekend. But uh, it was hot. Uh, now, tell me about this swing through Idaho uh, that you made. Yeah, that was that was with um, that was with that was during the Door Shack event. So let me remember. I believe that we hit Door Shack first, and I've got a buddy over there with family. So we stayed in Orfino the first night in a hotel uh, for Door Shack. Um, and then went up to his his grandparents' house, and there's a couple of small reservoirs around there, and we just hit those for a few days, me and my buddy in those kayaks, and uh, we caught some nice fish. Well, very nice, yeah. So that, uh, boy, what a um, a spring and a summer that you've had because uh, it looks like you've been out fishing nearly every weekend. And uh, and for those who follow Will on Instagram, he's got some really nice fish to show for for this year. Now the uh, the August or excuse me the October event coming up on the Willamette. Are you already doing some pre fishing and looking around for where you're where you're going to be fishing for that? As soon as this uh, as a Umatilla event, 
um, September 9th. And after that, I'm going to start looking around and trying to find areas on the Willamette because I haven't spent a whole ton of time on there. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for this event. Yeah, that should be fun. Now, so you've got a couple more events to get through for the uh, for the year, and then uh, you get a little break. Uh, what is what's it looking like for the future for you? What what are you looking forward to to next year? This next year, it's looking like um, there's a few options. Uh, I've been interested in fishing the one bass proams as a co angler, and their first one is uh, late January on Shasta. Um, so I'm thinking about fishing that. And then another one that's interesting is the Bass Angler Magazine Pro-Am series. I was just going to bring that up, but since you did, go ahead. I don't know a whole ton about it, but um, I've seen the list of anglers that are fishing it. And just, you know, I, I've gone on their website and looked around a little bit. Um, so I'm just not sure. I'll probably commit to one of those and fish uh, the whole series and see what happens. Now, are you going to fish this, a similar set of, of uh, lakes and tournaments that you did this year with uh, both the Idaho and Washington and, and uh, Oregon kayak group? I'm going to make as many of them as I can. Um, I'll definitely fish the ones that are close, and if they go back to Door Shack, I love fishing Door Shack. I'm just going to – my whole goal – throughout high school, you know, with the school year and things like that, just to get out as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really all you can do is is just get out there and, and fish as much as you can. Uh, on my last podcast, I had Reno Politeer. I think you've, you've met him or at least maybe you fished with him. And, uh, you know, those were almost his exact words is you, got, you just got to get out there and fish. So, uh, I sure hope that you're able to get out, you know, as much as you you can and want to, and uh, and uh, throw some of those big bass in the boat and and have some fun with it. Do you think you'll add any other kayak events next year, or were you pretty full this year? Um, I'm not sure yet. We'll have to see what the schedule is like. Um. For summer, I'll I'll try and fish as many kayak tournaments in the summer as I did this this summer because, you know, with no school, I'm not I'm not missing days and it just works out better like that. So, I'll definitely try and fish three or four of them if it might, if it, if it works out. Yeah. Oh, you know, one event that we forgot to talk about uh, in the excitement of the of, of talking about these other ones, I, I completely forgot about it. But you were able to fish the high school championship event this year out at the Salilo Pool, weren't you? I, I did. Tell me about and that one. That was a fun one. I have never caught so many fish in one day as that day. Um, our boat captain was Tom Hartshorn. We were lucky enough to have him take us out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, Salilo, tons of fish. We probably caught 80 or 90 fish that day, uh, one and a half to two and a half pounds, and just had a really tough time finding quality. But that's the interesting thing that I find about Salilo is when you go there, and it it doesn't seem, well, spring's a little bit better, but not much. But the numbers, my goodness sakes, the the, uh, the number of fish that uh, that people catch out of there is incredible. But... Like you're looking, like you said, you're looking for the quality fish, 
you know, the bigger ones. And, uh, you know, if we're not tournament fishing, you know, it's so much fun to take people out there and just catch a lot of them. And, and there are a lot of them. So that's, uh, I mean, at least it keeps the excitement up, right? Um, the fish. Eating the kind of reaction baits you want them to, it was a really good day. Now, when you're when you're in the kayak tournaments and you're are those do those go by very quickly because you're concentrating on the kayak, the navigation, trying to get to where you want to go, and trying to fish on top of all that, or or does it do you get lulls there? Well, they do go quick because you start early and you end early. Um, you get 30 minutes in the morning until lines in usually to make your run to your spot. Mm-hmm. So if you have a really long run, then it'll get into your fishing time. But if you just have a just short to medium run, it you should be fine. You should maximize your, your time. Oh, I see. So they give you a half an hour to get to where you're going. Yeah. So, yeah now, did you say yours is a pedal kayak or are you paddling? It's a pedal. Okay. Okay. So you can you can make some ground then uh, pedaling, but uh, I would imagine by the end of the day it, it, you're you're probably getting fairly fatigued. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. For that sure. that is uh, that is so interesting. Well, yeah. And then the, I interviewed uh, Mark Lassane from Bass Angler uh, Magazine, and there is going to be that new tournament coming up. So there may be some opportunities for you there too. So that would be, uh, be great fun. Right. I, I, that's super cool that he's starting a tour. I don't, I don't know much about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to look more into it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, check out the website. He was on the show, you know, announcing what they were doing and, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be a nice add to the West Coast. So I think it'll be uh, worth looking at. They are talking about some kayak stuff too, so there's going to be kind of both uh, types of tours. But uh, it was nice getting you on and uh, and kind of catching up with the summer. I know we're getting into the fall. Uh, I'll be looking for how you do on the Willamette because that's a that's my home fishery, as it were. I I don't live very far from uh, from Boone's Landing, so. Uh, look forward to uh, to hearing about that. That should be a good event. I I'm excited for that one. Yeah. So any uh, kind of final words that if you knew somebody at the high school level or even maybe uh, starting college and they wanted to get into tournament fishing and especially kayak tournament fishing, what would you tell them? Just get out there. Start talking to people. Um, there's Facebook groups where ask questions. Um, you got a lot of people with a lot of good answers, very knowledgeable people in OKBF, IKBF, WKBF. Um, and then there's a lot of options. There's tournaments all over the West Coast that I know about for kayaks. Just get out there and start talking to people. Yeah, so if if you want any information on any of those uh, organizations that Will has brought up, shoot me an email at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. I'll be happy to put you in touch with uh, with any of those folks. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, get out there and get fishing. I'm on the water. There you go. Well, hey, Will, thanks for stopping by, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for having me on. Well, I would like to thank Greg Marshall with the – OKBF okay, Kayak Report, 
And I would like to thank my guest, Will Harris, for stopping by, talking to us about bass fishing and about kayak fishing. Really appreciate uh, Will stopping by. And I would like to thank Lunkertech for partnering with Talking Bass and PDX. If you're looking for a great custom rod, check with Lunkertech. I'd also like to thank Fish Fighter Products for partnering with Talking Bass and PDX. And if you're looking for their great products, I will have their website and Lunkertech's website on the show notes. Just remember, if you enjoyed the show, share it with your friends. Let them know that we can be heard on all the big platforms, and if nothing else, just Google us and you'll find us. For show ideas, feedback, email me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, it has been Don Clark talking bass on PDX, and I'll see you on the backcast. <laughs>